Hey guys, why don't you go and get out your Bibles, digital or analog, and going to get out your bulletins um, as well to get ready to take some notes. And with your Bibles, going to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I cannot wait. I feel like I've been waiting to share this message with you since Christmas Eve, and I can't wait to share it with you today. But before I get into the message for today, I wanted to ask you a question. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? I know Pastor Hunter kind of did this a little bit last week and talked about some of his New Year's resolutions. I know sometimes people actually begin to move away from the term resolutions and maybe they would rather set some New Year's goals or start to build some better habits for the new year as well. But no matter where you fall in that spectrum, I really want to challenge you that you would make it a habit to have some type of New Year's resolutions, goals, or build some new habits when a new year comes about. And so if you haven't set any yet, here are some of mine that I want to give you, maybe to get you thinking or feel free to take any of these, okay? Uh, One of the first goals, resolutions, habits I want to build in 2023 is simply, I want to be growing more in God's word. I want to be growing more in the Bible and what God's word teaches. In fact, one of the goals I have to help this happen, two things I'm doing this year to grow in God's word. The first thing, I'm going to read through the Bible Um, all the way through the Bible in this year. Now, some of you guys may remember that last year we gave out one of those dwell reading guides where we challenged the whole church to read through the Bible in a whole year. Full disclosure, I failed, okay? I got through about 90% of it and did not make it all the way through. But hey, even if you started and you didn't finish, it is okay to step back into it again. And so whether you want to read through the the New Testament in a year, Old Testament in a year, or Whole Testament in a year, I want to challenge you to pick a plan and lean into God's Word. And the second thing I want to do, like to grow in God's Word, is that I want to memorize 23 verses, 23 pieces of Scripture this year that I have not memorized before, because I really want to grow in God's Word. Uh, Second resolution, habit, goal I have for this year is simply I want to I want to have it where this is a no snooze year, okay? And I've, I've, I've maybe mentioned this before, but sometimes I get into the habit of hitting that snooze button. Anybody with me out there? When that alarm clock goes off, I'll hit snooze. Then I'll hit snooze, and I'll throw my phone across the room, so I have to get up out of bed at some point. But I want to make this a, a no snooze year because I believe no snoozing is something called a keystone habit, Uh, There's this author named Charles Duhigg who wrote this book um, called The Power of Habits, and he talked about how you have these keystone habits, and these are the habits that kind of set the tone for all your other habits. So I know that if I don't hit snooze in the morning, when I have it set at a a certain time to get up early, I'm going to get up early, I'm going to work out. My quiet time is going to be more effective. And because it was more effective, because I worked out, I'm going to make better eating choices the rest of the day. I'm going to have more energy throughout the day. Make better choices. Be a better leader. Be a better husband. Be a better dad if I do not hit snooze. But if I do hit snooze, I'm going to wake up a little bit later. I'm going to shorten my quiet time. I'm going to choose just whatever is available to eat. I'm going to stop at McDonald's and eat for lunch. I'm going to gain 50 pounds. I'm going to have an early death, okay? So this is where I want to have it a no snooze year and kind of set some of those keystone habits to build in my life. And then another goal, habit, resolution I want to make this year is that I want to give better yeses and better noes. Have you ever said yes to something that maybe you should not have said yes to? And maybe you should have said no to? Come on, some of you last year, you said yes to a relationship where it said you should have kept on swiping or maybe even hit that decline button in that relationship. Some of you said yes to more commitment and another commitment and another commitment. And you're already starting 2023 off over committed when you should have said no. Come on, if you really want to save more money, if you really want to save more money this year, you got to say no to every time Hardy's offers that two for three biscuit deal, Pastor Hunter. If you really want to save money this year, look, you can't, you can't go to every single sale that Kohl's has. Look, they're going to send you another 30% off coupon, okay? You don't have to go. You have to say no. Look, if you're going to say yes to a healthy 
relationship that lasts, you're going to have to say no to some people. You can't say yes to everyone simply because you think they're cute. To love your kids, you're going to have to say yes to being present. And you're going to have to say no to taking that one more email or that one more phone call. You're going to have to say no. Church, look, none of us, none of us want to get to the end of our lives and see that we wasted our lives on the things that mattered the least. But instead, we sought the Lord. We sought the Lord and moved into what mattered the most. So I want to ask you again, what are your goals for 2023? Physically, mentally, relationally, professionally, and of course, spiritually. See, if you aim at nothing every time, you're going to hit your your target every single time. So what are you aiming for this year? And let me just say, whatever it is you're aiming for, whatever it is you're trying to achieve, there is more. There's more that God has for you. Do you know that God himself has some goals he wants for you, some resolutions he wants for you, some habits that he wants to build in you? In fact, he has some plans for you, not to harm you, but to help you to work in you and to work through you, to make you more like Christ, to sanctify you, to empower you, to show you how stable and how grace-filled a life in him can be. Today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, all the way through 21. And Paul, look, he's writing to these churches in Ephesus. And this crazy thing, Paul was writing this from jail because he said yes to Jesus. He said yes to following Jesus, yes to sharing the gospel, yes to planting churches, and he finds himself in jail for saying yes to Christ. But even though he's in jail himself, he's writing to this church to remind him of the incredible things that God has done in them and through them and wants to continue to do. In fact, Paul here in Ephesians, he's writing to multiple churches in Ephesus, which was part of the Roman Empire. And he was trying to celebrate all Jesus was doing in them. But right in the middle of one of the most theologically rich passages in all of the Bible, one of the most theologically rich books in all of the Bible, Paul pauses and he says, there is more. So today as we read this church, I'm going to read this passage and then I'm going to pray. I'm going to show you three more things to add to your list this year and to take a step on in 2023, because God has more for you. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Paul writes, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power, through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, your word is so good all on its own. Lord, I think that you want to do more in us, far more abundantly than we can ask or think or imagine. To think, Lord, again, that you would choose to draw near to us or to do a work in us, to do a work in us and through us, or to bring glory to yourself 
to help others experience the incredible life to the full that you want them to experience. God, I pray that today from your word, we would see that there is more that you want to do. God, I pray that today that we'd be a church that is, is ready, Lord, to receive the more that you want to do. God, I know that if we are sitting alive today, Lord, you are not done. God, there's more you want to do in us, Lord, through us, around us. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, there is more that God has for you in 2023. Here's the first thing, okay? Write this down. There's more praying and more petitioning you're going to have to do in 2023. There's more praying and petitioning that you're going to have to do in this year. Listen to what Paul says here again in verse 14 through 15. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, now look specifically there at verse 14. Paul says in this section, he says, for this reason. Now, I'm going to focus just on this phrase right here for a little bit, because even just this phrase right here, for this reason, these are not some random words or even just some transitional words that Paul puts here as he's writing to these churches in Ephesus. As he says, for this reason, it's almost like he's, he's a, before he tells them about the more that God wants them to see, before he tells them, that, tells them that, he's saying, for this reason, and he's telling them, look, look back at the things that I've said to you before. In fact, it's a reference to what he's saying just a little bit earlier in chapter three. It's like he's saying, look back on what I just said a little bit earlier. It's kind of like what he said in chapter three, verse one where he's saying, look back at how Jesus has been revealed and how the gospel has been made known. He's saying, for this reason, points back to what he just said about how Jesus has been made known and how the gospel has been made, made known and revealed through them. And it was a reminder that they should see just how good the gospel is. Church, this is one of the reasons that we often try to remind you and share with you the core facts of the gospel, because we want you to know it because even after trusting Christ, you still need the gospel every single day. But see, we want you to know it and also be able to share it. So here's just a quick reminder what the, the three core facts of the gospel are. Uh, the first one is Jesus is, come on, you got to say a little more confidence than that, okay? Jesus is God. Look, this Jesus that Paul's talking about, that many of you know, wasn't just another teacher wasn't just another man in the first century trying to make waves. He was God in flesh. And then we remind people that Jesus died on the cross for our sins because all of us were born with this problem of sin. And see, sin breaks us. It causes the brokenness that we see in us and around us. And if we don't do something about that sin problem, we're going to spend eternity apart from God. But the good news is, even though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this Jesus who is God died on the cross to pay for our sins. And if that wasn't good enough news, it gets even better that Jesus who is God died on the cross for our sins and he bodily rose from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death, conquering the grave, making a way where there seemed like there was no way. In fact, he is the way, the truth and the life. And through him, we experience life to the full, and we gain eternal life. And all you have to do is to repent of that sin, believe this good news about Jesus, and receive this fullness of life that he wants for you. Paul is saying, look back at how good the gospel is. But he's also telling him, look back, because look, he's writing this from jail. In fact, earlier in chapter three, he reminds him, look, I am in chains right now for Christ. In fact, life was not so good for Paul at the moment because he said yes to following Jesus. He was in jail, but he was still writing them to remind him that he finds his hope and encouragement in Christ. But the interesting to know is that Paul says, look, for this reason in chapter 3, verse 14, which is look back at what I just said to you a little bit earlier in chapter 3. And I know they have verse references back then. 
But in chapter 3, verse 1, he also says, for this reason. Which he's saying, look, go back and look even further at what I just told you all throughout the letter in Ephesians. Man, he's wanted this church to look back and to see that real unity, real oneness, is only found in Christ and through Christ. In fact, I love Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, where he talks about how the dividing wall has been torn down between Jew and Gentile. And in fact, if Paul were to write this letter today, he would say that because of the gospel, because of Jesus, the dividing wall between every nation and every ethnic group, between black and white and Hispanic and Middle Eastern and Asian and European and every single variation in between has been torn down because of Christ. He's saying that real unity is found in the gospel. Man, he's wanted this church to look back and see that now their identity is found in Christ. Man, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, he's, he, he talks about how it is by grace, through faith, that someone is saved. So that no one can boast. Which means that you can't put your identity now in anyone else but in Christ. He now firmly rests in him. In fact, he even says that because of that, now in Christ, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that you are a masterpiece. You are a handcrafted original by God. That is your new identity. And it is secure in Christ. Man, he's wanted this church to look back and see that their love for Jesus and for each other because of the gospel really is making a difference. In Ephesians chapter 1, he wants to remind them, look, your labor is not in vain. Your giving is not in vain. But it is, it is actually making a difference for Christ and in others, in the community. This is a life that matters. Man, he's wanted the church to look back and see that all of their blessings that they have received, everything they are, is to bring glory to the Father. They've been chosen by God to be blessed and to bring glory to his name. Before Paul tells this church that God has more for them, he says, for this reason. And he wants them to look back at all the things that Jesus has done in them and through them and around them. He says, look back at what Jesus has been tearing down in you, but look back at what he's also been building in you. Church, sometimes before you begin to look forward to the more that God has for you, you have to look back. You have to look back. What was your life really like in 2022? Have you looked back on the goals that you set, the relationships you had, and your relationship with Christ? Was any of what you did in 2022 marked by the gospel? How did you see Jesus in 2022? Come on, was he sitting in your passenger seat when he should have been sitting in the driver's seat? Sometimes before you, have, before you look forward to more, you have to look back and see and evaluate where you really are. You know, it's interesting to note that when Paul would typically write a letter to either a region or a group of churches or maybe some pastors, usually when he would write it, he was writing it to, to, to specifically address some type of problem the church was having. Some type of issue that had arisen in the church. So he was writing to remind them again who Jesus is, why you guys need to correct this problem because you're a jacked up church. But right here in Ephesians, at least from what we know from the letter, at least from what we know from church history, there were not any problems happening in this church. In fact, they were actually in a very good season. A very good season where things were great for them. And Paul is telling them to look back in all the things that God has done, even though this is a great season for you. And again, it's interesting to know that he's writing this while he's in jail. In fact, things were not so great for Paul. But even he's looking back in this season for him that is painful and confusing. He's looking back in all the things that Jesus has done in him and through him. Hey, would you do this favor for me, okay? on the second Sunday of 2023, I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you and I want you to tell them, okay, loudly and with confidence. I want you to tell them, look, you gotta look back, okay? Tell them you gotta look back and then slap them one time. 
said one time, people, one time. You know, some of you last year, you finished 2022 off grade. In fact, you ran across the finish line of 2022. And you started the year off great. Man, you've had perfect attendance so far for this year. You're already reading your Bible. Man, you're even eating vegetables for breakfast. Would you look back? Look back in all what God did in you last year. And look back at the things that he was trying to tear down in you. Look back at the things he's trying to build up in you. Some of you didn't run across the finish line last year. You stumbled across. In fact, you already feel like this year is starting off with a defeat. Already feeling broken. Already feeling lonely. Would you look back? Look back at what Jesus was trying to tear down in you and maybe even trying to pull you away from last year. Would you look back at what he was trying to build in you and even take you to take you to ward last year? Look, he was working. He was trying to speak to you. He was trying to draw you near to him. Would you look back? And would you take a moment and look back at verse 14? Paul says, for this reason, in light of all the things that I've said, look, the unity that Jesus has brought in you, the blessings that he's given you to bring glory to him, the constant pursuit of oneness, man, the repentance of sin, our identity resting in Christ. Looking back in all these things, Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Look, all of this looking back on what God has done, looking forward to the more that he wants to do in them and through them, Paul says, look, this causes me to pray more and it causes me to check my heart. You know, bowing the knee is a biblical phrasing that simply means that we are humbly seeking God in prayer. Before the more, Paul says, look, I need to pray. I need to check my heart. So two quick challenges for you, okay? Uh, The first one is that I really want to challenge you that you would make this a year marked by checking your heart posture. Mark this year by checking your heart posture. Look, are you going to make this a year where you say, look, this is going to be my year. This is going to be my time. This is going to be the year where my heart gets what my heart wants. Or is this going to be the year when you say, God, everything I have is yours. God, I'm committed to your will. God, I'm content with your provision. God, I need your peace. God, I'm going to be consistent with your calling on my life. Now keep asking God this year to check your heart and see what it is that you need to submit to him one more time again. And then would you mark this year with prayer? All of these blessings and even the challenge of being in jail drove Paul to his knees to pray. You know, many of you, whether you're sports fans or not, have heard about DeMar Hamlin, who was that 24-year-old safety who played for the Buffalo Bills. And then after making a tackle, he suffered cardiac arrest and passed out on the field. And as, as paramedics and trainers gathered around him, there was this picture of how his teammates were driven to their knees to pray. In fact, even on ESPN, on live TV, a commentator stopped to say, I just feel led and moved to pray for him right now. Now, again, I don't know how many of those people in that whole situation, whether they're followers of Jesus or not, but there's something about whenever we are marked with a crisis, there's a moment of crisis, we want to mark that moment with prayer, that we seek divine intervention. But we as a church, and again, Paul illustrates it so well here. Look, Paul, for him him right now, it was a painful season. He was in jail, in shackles for Christ. This church was in a great season. Things were going well for them. And it's almost like Paul is saying, look, before you experience the more that God has for you, you need to mark every single moment with prayer. 
whether things are going great right now or whether you're in one of the most painful seasons of your life. What if we were a church that marked every single moment in prayer by bowing our knee and seeking the Lord by prayer and petition? You know, prayer and petition, look, prayer is simply our conversation that we have with God. And petition is some of that pleading that we do reverently and earnestly, seeking the Lord for his will, for his will in something that you need or even on behalf of somebody else. You know, we, we, we talked about this as a few weeks ago when we were going through Philippians chapter 4 and how Paul says, look, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, make your request known to God. And he was, he was reminded us how powerful it is where we mark every single moment by prayer and also by petition. Come on, we, we talked about how even now scientists are starting to, starting to catch up to what the Bible says. And there's this doctor, Dr. Caroline Leaf, who said that 12 moments, 12 minutes of focused prayer can literally rewrite your brain and heal your mind. What if we were a church that marked every single moment that we had this year in 2023 by prayer? What if we marked it with focused prayer in this season? You know, some of you I know have stopped praying for something because you didn't get the answer you were looking for or didn't get the answer you were hoping for. Would you do it again? Would you pray again? Would you go to your knees again and seek the Lord again? Look, church, in 2023, there's going to be more praying more petitioning you're going to have to do. And then number two, look, there is more power that the Holy Spirit wants to give you. Look, in 2023, there's more power that the Holy Spirit wants to give you. Man, listen to how Paul continues this in verse 16. He says, look, according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God and filled with all the fullness of God. Look, Paul points to the power that the Holy Spirit wants to give those who have trusted in Christ. Look, I know there's been so many books written about the Holy Spirit, and, and we're not going to cover everything that he is today, but I just want to point out some of the quick reminders from this, these verses that Paul gives here in Ephesians chapter 3. Write these down, okay? First of all, the Holy Spirit is God. He's not some apparition, He's not the force from Star Wars, but he's God. Father, Son, Spirit. One God, all fully God. The Holy Spirit indwells believers. When you repent and believe and receive, the Holy Spirit seals you and dwells in you. No one can take you away from Christ. Your eternity is guaranteed because of the work Christ's atoning sacrifice and the Holy Spirit's sanctifying work that he does in you until you go to be with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit wants to give you stronger roots in Christ. See, the Holy Spirit anchors the heart of the believer. So again, no matter what circumstances will come our way, in 2023, we are rooted, Paul says. We are grounded in this love of Christ. He anchors the heart of the believer. So even if the winds are blowing, man, we have a firm foundation that's never going to take us away. In fact, it's kind of like what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. When he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, and he does, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. See, the Holy Spirit gives us strength for every single circumstance. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The power of the resurrection lives in you and gives you strength for every single circumstance. You know, as I was uh, heading into to this weekend and reviewing the message, reviewing the passage, and just looking at what Paul was saying here again, there's something else that popped out to me just yesterday. And I know this isn't in your notes, but look back at verse 18, okay, and listen to what Paul says here. He says, look, that, that you may be strengthened, you may have strength to comprehend. Again, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of God, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So as I was looking at this, I was wondering, look, he says, look, that you may have the strength to comprehend, which means that you simply do understand. You get to understand. But then he says this love of Christ, it surpasses knowledge. So which one is it? Can we fully understand like just how incredible God is or does it surpass our knowledge? It's a little bit of both. And see, see, I wanted to remind you today that the Holy Spirit reminds you that there is something supernatural about following Jesus. Look, you're never going to figure out every single thing that God is trying to do in you and around you. You're never going to fully tap into who, everything that he is. Look, he, his ways are so much higher than ours. His thoughts are so much higher than ours. In fact, he is immeasurable. He's so far above anything that we know. But yet again, he makes himself known to us. And he wants us to draw close to him and get to know him. So yes, the knowledge of him we can comprehend, but at the same time, it surpasses all of our knowledge. In fact, the word surpasser simply means to go beyond. It means to go beyond. And the fullness of life that Paul is talking about here, it does come as the Holy Spirit helps you overcome the brokenness that is caused by sin that you experience in you and around you, that is supernatural. The thing that God can help us overcome the power of sin in us and around us. Man, the Holy Spirit reminds us that, that this life isn't just some sort of string of chaotic events or randomness, but it's the power that comes when we begin to understand that there is purpose and encounters Purpose in the encounters that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit brings across our path. Purpose in the encounters that he leads us to. Now, now church, what I'm about to tell you, okay, I, I, don't, want, I, want, to, I don't want you to take this as a knock against you, okay? Um, I don't want you to take this as a knock against you, and I, I don't want to change anything that you've been doing, uh, but I'm going to give you a bit of pastoral confession this morning, okay? The truth is, a lot of times as a pastor, on Mondays, um, I want to quit as a pastor. In fact, uh, there's, this, there's this pastoral search firm out there, and they said that most pastors on Mondays, and maybe for you, our Mondays is kind of like your Sundays. Like for you, like on Sunday, hey, Monday's coming, the job is about to begin again, and I don't know if I love this job. Um, but sometimes like Mondays is like that for me. Um, in fact, the, the search firm I was telling you about, like they said that the number one time that pastors apply for a new job is actually on Mondays. After preaching on Sunday, they go and apply for a new job. And so sometimes on Mondays, like just being honest with you, sometimes I, sometimes I think about what it would be like to own a Chick-fil-A or to own a Kava or to work there instead. Sometimes I do think about that. And if I'm being even a little more honest with you, when our family decided to move here, when we began to pray about moving here, as we were seeking what God was leading us to, seeking the next chapter that maybe the Holy Spirit wanted to do in our lives, um, it was very hard for us. The church that we were at before, I mean, we were well-known there. We had been there for several years. Um, I was a campus pastor and a teaching pastor at that church. And in fact, I'd just been given a promotion at that church. I was going to be overseeing all of the campuses um, and also given more preaching and teaching responsibility as well. Um, we were known in the community. The church I was leading like was known in the community for being generous and sharing the gospel. We had a, a good reputation in the community. We had a small group that we had been through some messes together. 
Man, we loved each other through it by the grace of God. For several years, we had been with this small group. We had relationships and friendships. And even though the traffic is crazy in Northern Virginia on I-95, we knew the way every single place that we went. So as we started to pray about coming here, when we got the call like to pray about coming to Coastal, I, I'll admit, like, I, I didn't really want to pray about coming here because we were so known and so comfortable where we were. And after we came here, like the very first season, it was very challenging. Not, partly because as, as we came here, look, we didn't know any of you guys yet. It meant all new relationships. It meant uprooting our family from what was known to something that we had no idea how it was going to be. But trusting the Lord every single way. It meant driving on roads 64 where it seems like it is changing every single moment trying to figure out how to even get from place to place. And speaking specifically of the building here, we are so grateful for our building here, but there are parts of the building that have been possessed by spiders. And I hate spiders. So all of this coming here, like not seeking the Lord, saying, God, is this it? Praying, like getting the call to come here. But have you ever had a moment where you had prayed about something and then you moved into that season and you had said yes, believing that, the Holy Spirit was leading you. God was leading you. And you said yes. And then when you finally got there, you wondered if you had made the right decision. There were some mornings, Sunday or even Monday, where I wondered if I was even the right person to lead this church. There were some Sundays, like I just, I walked off stage. And again, it's, maybe I'm being too honest here. I don't know if you need to delete this later on with the online thing. But there were some Sundays, like I just felt defeated after a Sunday morning. And to start seeking the Lord, praying, praying, God, was this the right decision? Am I the right person to lead this church? God, did we miss it? Did we miss what you were calling us to do? Would you know that even in those moments, the Holy Spirit was working? Even in those moments, it's like, it's like God, would, God would send the right person, and sometimes unsolicited, or unexpected at the right time. In fact, um, Johnny and Pat, where are you? Johnny and Pat, wave at everybody. Johnny and Pat, Johnny, wave at, there we go, Pat. Now, um, so a Sunday morning, okay, there was a Sunday morning when I just, I came, it was, it was before the service started, I was out in the lobby greeting people, and Johnny and Pat walked in, and you know, I said hi, welcome them to the church, so glad to see you, welcome to Coastal Chesapeake, and I know you've been going here for a while. They walked in, and I, I walked over to get some coffee, and then Pat came over to me, unsolicited, did not ask her for her opinion or anything. She came over to me. She said, I just want to say to you, you're in the right place. God told me to tell you, you're where you belong. I was like, what in the world? And you guys know how, like, how bright our lobby is out there and how hot it gets. Like, it almost seems like the sun was like shining behind her in that moment. But right in that moment... It's like the Holy Spirit saw what was happening. It's like God saw what I needed. Supernatural, unsolicited. Now, Miss Ruby, where are you? Wave at everybody, okay, Miss Ruby. She, just wave your hand, it's okay. Now, she's our, she's our oldest saint in the church. And I don't know if she even remembers this, but it was shortly after we got here, again, on a Sunday morning, just wondering, look, God, did we miss it? God, are we where we're supposed to be? And she just, probably doesn't even remember this, but we were w both walking on that. I parked on that side of the church over there. We were both walking out. And as she's walking out, I'm walking out. She said, I just wanted to introduce myself. I'm Miss Ruby, and I'm 94 years old. And she said, I have something I want to tell you. Again, I'll admit, like, I've been in those conversations before where someone's like, there's something I want to tell you. And I thought for a moment she's going to tell me, look, look, your outfits suck. Like, your hair is terrible. These messages are terrible. Like, you're the worst person ever to come here. But she said, and I'll never forget this. She said, I'm Miss Ruby. I'm 94 years old. And I just want to tell you that I've been praying for you for six years. I'm so glad that God answered my prayer and brought you here to be our pastor. I've been learning so much from God's word. And I think, what can I teach someone who's 94 years old? But again, it's like in that moment, it's like God saw me. Supernatural. 
unsolicited. Church, there's something supernatural about following God. The Holy Spirit this year wants to give you more power. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to deepen your roots in Christ. You need him more than you ever have before. He wants to work in you this year. And last one, and then I'm done. There's more church building by Christ that he wants to do in you and through you. There is more church building by Christ that he wants to do in you and through you. Look, listen to what Paul says here, okay? He finally gets to it. Uh, Verse 20, he says, now, now, after looking back at all the things that Jesus has done, Now, after remembering that you still need the power of the Holy Spirit to continue to to convict you, to sanctify you, to grow you, to guide you, to lead you, you still need him in your life. He says, now, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. If all those things weren't enough, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. Look, did you see the key there? He says to him be glory in the church. This far more God wants for you is in the church. You know, Jesus would say earlier in Matthew chapter 16, he would say, look, I will build my church. The gates of hell cannot stand against it. Then he says in verse 19, he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I'm going to build my church. Nothing's going to stop it. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Look, church, don't believe the lie out there that the church of Jesus Christ is dead. He says, I'm going to build it. Nothing's going to stop it. And then he says, I'm going to give you the keys. And in fact, he makes it so clear a little bit later on in Matthew when he gives like two of the keys, when he gives the great commandment and the great commission, where he says, look, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is a great and first, com- great, uh, and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Matthew 28, where he says, look, Jesus came to them and said, look, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom." This blessing that he wants to give from generation to generation is done through the church. And again, those of you who've been coming for a while, you know what we're all about here at Coastal. Here at Coastal, this is how we live out, how we've taken the keys that the Lord wants to give us so we can fulfill what he wants to do. Man, we are called to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. And this key, the key word in that is the word authentic. We want to be authentic followers of Jesus. Look, there are going to be times we are going to miss it. In fact, if you came here this morning and you're looking for the perfect church, look, you already know just from hearing me speak for a few moments that this is not the perfect church. In fact, we're all a bit jacked up. Um, I'm jacked up. Hey, you're jacked up. This whole section right here is jacked up. This side over here, you guys are probably mostly jacked up. All of us are jacked up in some fashion, some way or another. But man, we are called to be authentic which means we're going to keep seeking the Lord. Even if we get it wrong, and even if we sin again for the thousandth time, like we know we're going to be good repenters. We're going to follow Jesus. We're going to trust the way the Holy Spirit is leading us. And of course, we fulfill that as we connect, grow, serve, and multiply. We want to connect in corporate worship on Sunday mornings. This power that God gives, it is through the church. It is in the church. And so that's why connecting on Sunday mornings through corporate worship is such a priority. In fact, I want to challenge you that this would be a year that you would commit to coming to church every single Sunday. Okay, unless you're injured, bleeding from a part of the body you're not supposed to bleed from, or unless you're traveling out of town. 
I want to challenge you that you would come to church on Sunday mornings and make it a commitment. I would even challenge you, even if you do go out of town, you will find another gospel preaching, Bible-based church to attend even on vacation. I want to challenge you, this would be a year that you would grow. We grow together through small groups. If you haven't taken the step yet to grow in a small group, man, would you make this the year? And again, maybe you've tried it before, but would you try it again? Because there's more that God wants to do in you and through you as you get involved in community. There's something about community where he uses his people to speak to you. Where you go deeper in his word. Would you grow together in small groups? Of course, I want to challenge you that you would serve. Would you make this the year that you join? We serve together in ministry and in mission. Would you find a place to serve in this church? Would you go all in to help making this church continue to grow and to reach even more people? And then, would you commit to multiply? We want to multiply, church. We don't want to keep what God has done in us and through us just to ourselves. We want to multiply followers of him, authentic followers of him. We want to, one of the things I'm praying about right now, that we would even multiply services, okay, that we would go from one service to two. Man, at Christmas, we had over 200 people in this place. As you see, like, there's less and less gaps in these chairs every single week. I'm so grateful for what God has been doing, but we want to have another service so we can reach even more people to develop even more authentic followers of Jesus. And I'm praying this year that we would also multiply in reflecting the community. Now, you've heard heard me say it before. Look, Chesapeake, this Virginia Beach area, is about 53% white, about 29% black, about 7% Hispanic, and about 5% Asian, and every point in between. And what if we were a church that actually reflected our community? If we were a church, if we're really reaching the community, really loving the community, really developing authentic followers of Jesus, what if we look like even the Ephesian church did? Where the dividing wall has been torn down, And every ethnic group represented in this community was worshiping the Lord. Multi-ethnic, multi-generational, man, multi-economical. From every, no matter what your bank account looks like, man, you would come here. You would worship the Lord together. And what if we actually multiplied disciples? Like, what if this was a year you actually thought, you know what, I'm going to invest in someone else. I'm going to disciple someone else. And you may even say, you know what, Andrew, my life has been so jacked up, so messed up. There's no way in the world God could ever use me to teach somebody else. Well, good, you disciple them on everything you shouldn't do, okay? But you disciple somebody. You mentor somebody. The more that God wants to do in you, the power that he wants to do is in the church. But how many of you guys know that the church is not this building? It's you. What God is building is you. Who he wants to give more power to, it's you. Who he wants to work in and through, it's you. And as our worship team goes ahead and makes their way back up to the stage, church, I just want to give you this two more challenges. And I promise you, this is no, there's no more after this. I'm done. Two more things. Would you make this a year where you make room for opportunity? Look again, there may be some things that you need to say yes to. But man, there may be some things that you need to say no to. So God can give more opportunity to you. More opportunity to grow in his word, to know him, to help somebody else know him. Would you make this a year where you even allow him to really pull you away from some things so you can move toward the more that he has for you? Would you pray about making this the year where you say, God, whatever opportunity you want to bring toward me, God, I want to take it. Even that means saying no to all these other things, God, I want the opportunity that you want to give me so I can bring you glory and bring you honor. And the second thing is, this is something we're starting next week. We're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want to challenge you, church, that again, we would mark this year with prayer. Whether you were in the highest of highs in this year or the lowest of lows, would you go to your knees just like Paul did? And would you seek him in prayer? 
So starting next week, we're going we're to begin 21 days of prayer and fasting on January 16th. And this week, I want you to take time to pray and prepare about joining us in 21 days of prayer and fasting. Look, fasting is one of the most underutilized spiritual disciplines that any believer ever used. But man, God moves in power when you decide to, to set apart some time and to really seek him by fasting and praying. So that's it. I want to challenge you like to pray for those things, to pray for those things and to look for an opportunity. Pray, God, I want to make room for opportunity. And God, I want to mark this year with prayer. So would you take time this year and to pray for both of those things? And then would you go, go ahead and stand? And I'm going to have you do something that maybe is a little bit weird, okay? Maybe you're not used to doing, but okay, it's, it's purely symbolic. But hopefully, again, it's, it's us checking our heart posture, all right? It's us checking our heart posture. And again, it's saying, God, like whatever the more you want to bring to me is yours. So I just want to, I want to have you just kind of extend your hands out like this, right? It's open-handed. And then I'm just going to pray for you. I'm just going to pray over you. And this is just God, just you saying, look, God, look, I, I, for, for this reason, for all the things that you've done, for all the things that you've done in me and through me, God, even when I didn't understand it, God, even when it was beyond my explanation, God, thank you for those things. But he says there's more. So this is just you saying, look, God, whatever that more is, whatever it looks like this year, God, I want more of you. God, I want the more that you want to give. And Father God, I thank you, Lord, for, again, just your word. Again, Lord, it's, it's so good, God. It is such a good reminder, Lord, as we look back on all the things that you've done. God, thank you that you have provided. God, thank you that you are Lord of this universe. God, thank you that you give us grace upon grace, even when we don't deserve it. God, even when we sin again and again and again, God, thank you that you give grace upon grace. But God, we believe just like your word says that there is more. And God, we want to be a part of the more that you want to do in us and through us, this power that you want to give through your church. And God, whether that more looks like reaching more people, God, whether that more looks like you pulling us away from something, God, whether that more looks like you pushing us toward your will and your ways, God, whatever that more is, God, we say that we want to receive it. Help us to be a church, Lord, that you do more through. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think or imagine. To him be the glory in Christ and in his church. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's sing one more song.